When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The FT. Hello, I'm Jan Daly, the Arts Editor of the Financial Times, and I'm here with Sir Nicholas Sirota, Director of Tate, to talk about the Artist Rooms Project, which is just announcing its plans for 2011. It's a very special scheme, virtually unique, I believe, although perhaps um, Sir Nicholas will tell us a little more about that. So, Nick, can you explain the project? Uh, in 2008, Jan, um, Anthony Doffey, who had been a dealer in contemporary art in London, a very successful dealer for more than 30 years, um, decided to make his collection as a gift to the whole of the United Kingdom. He had this idea that this great collection that he'd built up, principally of very strong representations of a limited number of artists, might tour the country and be seen in museums and galleries across the country, not for the benefit of people like you and me, but rather more for the benefit of young people. He had memories of going to Leicester Museum and Art Gallery in his youth and being left there while his mother went shopping in Leicester and discovering for himself marvellous works of art, and in particular in that case, uh, a group of paintings that had been given to the museum by a German emigre, Hans Hess, in the 19, early 1950s. And so Anthony had this idea of, a very simple idea, of putting works by one artist in a room and giving young people all over the country an opportunity to come and see them. Well, it's an extraordinary act of vision and uh, generosity. And how is it organised? Anthony decided that the best plan to get coverage across the whole country would be to give the collection both to England and to Scotland. And so the administration is organised by a shared arrangement of ownership between the National Heritage of Scotland and Tate in England. And we work together. Uh, the works are stored in London and in Edinburgh, but for much of the time they're actually on the road and they go in any one year to something like 20 galleries and museums across the country, from St Ives in the southwest to Orkney in the north. Well, we were just looking earlier at the map of the galleries, and there's a fair concentration in the Midlands and quite a number of outlying um, Scottish places. So it isn't just um, fully established museums, city museums, is it, that hosts these artists' rooms. There's also um, smaller galleries in places like the islands. Yes, it's the rooms obviously vary in size enormously and it's very, it is possible for us to send some really important works in small groups to small institutions. So in the first year um, we had exhibitions in the Pier Art Centre in Stromness. We've had a series of smaller shows in some of the smaller highlands, 
galleries. Um, we've sent small groups of work to unexpected places in England as well. Um, taking this issue a little more widely, I'm interested to know whether you feel that it's something that uh, a scheme that could become some sort of model for other countries or for other, um, possibly for, for other types, even other types of work, whether it would work with, I don't know, performance or with other things. And indeed, um, whether you feel that it's something that can encourage other great collectors to donate their collections or sell their collections perhaps at very favorable terms for the for the greater public good do you feel do you feel that it's a model well i think that in a way it's a model that we've adopted from theater in the sense that there has often there has long been touring theater in this country um, frequently of course new plays have been as it were tried out in the regions and then once successful brought to London in this case perhaps we're taking it the other way those things that have already been recognised are being seen in places that they've not previously visited there is some interest um, internationally in what has been done here that's to say within the visual arts world but the structure of museums in this country is very different from America. We do have a sense that the national museums have a responsibility to the whole nation. And in America, for instance, it's really only the National Gallery in, in, in Washington that has that sense of being a gallery for the whole nation rather than simply a gallery in a particular city. So I think it's unlikely that the Museum of Modern Art, for instance, would pick up its collection at its skirts and run across to the Midwest in the way that we have been able to do in taking work to the Midlands. As for questions of whether it's a model that other people might emulate, we hope that others will emulate Anthony and his generosity. And already there are signs that individuals might do so. So some of the artists who are in artist rooms have donated work to artist rooms to strengthen their room. So Ed Rocher, for instance, has given us a really wonderful painting based on a text from J.G. Mallard, very appropriately, um, which has now joined the artist rooms. Um, Robert Terrian has given us um, works which complement the works that were already in the room that we showed at Tate Modern last year. Other artists are beginning to think about doing so, and we've been talking to Martin Creed, who is very keen to give some work to this scheme, not yet resolved precisely what it will be, but it's an example of an artist who's been inspired by seeing some of the artist rooms as they've been travelling across the country. I hope that um, some collectors might follow Anthony's lead. One, uh, a New York collector and dealer, um, Arnold Glimpshire, has actually given us an Agnes Martin painting, an extraordinary thing for an American to do to give a painting worth probably $3 million to an institution in Britain uh, so that it can be seen in St Ives or Cambridge or London, as he has done. Um, and I hope others might, follow, as I say, follow his lead. What else should we know about this extraordinary scheme? I mean, it is, it is unique, I believe, and it is 
um, particularly, for some reason, it's the one that seems to catch catch people's hearts. I think there are so many people who've talked about, rather as Anthony Doffey does, about some moment, usually when they were young, usually in an unexpected place, when they saw something they didn't expect to see and it turned the lights on for them. Um, I imagine that that is what fires this project and what keeps the wind in its sails. Um, Other than that, it seems to me that um, it makes a very special case for contemporary art in places where it wouldn't normally be seen. I don't suppose that in Stornoway or the Orkneys you get much chance to um, see abstract expressionists normally. But um, is there anything that particularly fires you about this scheme? Well, I think the scheme, as you say, is a scheme which um, hopes to capture for many, many people that sense that all of us have had of walking into a gallery and seeing something for the first time. Uh, Even last night I was at uh, Tate Modern meeting some guests who had come for a dinner given by Unilever, and three or four of them came up to me and said, recounted experiences that they'd had in the turbine hall, seeing the work of an artist whose name was previously unknown to them and being bowled over by it, and then finding themselves in another gallery elsewhere in the world and encountering work by the same artist and having that sense of recognition but also rediscovery. So that's very much um, part of this whole process. But I think that as we go forward one of the things that this shows is that there is a real interest in contemporary art across the country which isn't being satisfied by museums being able to collect. If you go to Nottingham or you go to Leicester or Liverpool for instance, you see museums that until the 1950s or 60s were able to collect modern British art or occasionally um, contemporary international art that are no longer able to do so. Their collections somehow almost come to a close in the 1960s as art prices increased and as their own resources diminished. Until that point, of course, there was a difference between the scale and size of the Tate collection and those in Manchester, Birmingham, but the gap was not very large. Now the gap is huge. So Tate is really the only institution, together with the National Gallery of Modern Art in Edinburgh, that is able to collect in a serious way. Art Fund has begun a scheme to bring international art to a limited number of institutions across the country by putting a million pounds into each of those. MEMA in Middlesbrough is one, Bristol is another. And that's a recognition of the fact that we need to collect outside London and we need to make contemporary and modern art available to people soon after it's made rather than 50 years after it's been made. Well, thank you very much indeed. For more downloads, go to ft.com forward slash podcasts. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellincat.com.